Today in the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, we have an episode of Catching Up With, our short form interview series. Every year, got a couple podcasts that for whatever reason, get recorded, but don't get used in a timely manner, or at least when they were originally intended to be used. And that is certainly the case here with our friend from Canada, the rather amazing Mr. Wickens, captured this a week before the IndyCar season was meant to start in St. Petersburg. So we had done spring training, done a little bit of preseason testing with the Aero McLaren SP team. Robert, as usual, doing his best to tune up their brand new drivers and Pato Award, who would go on to finish fourth in the overall standings. And Oliver Askew as well, Indy Lights champion coming in. Bit of a star-crossed season that would follow, but nonetheless, conversation with Robert one week before the season was due to start. We're looking at his new role with the team, one that he cracked open in 2019, one that he definitely dove into more in 2020, doing his best to help assist with his knowledge and wisdom to get Pato, to get Oliver, and to get the engineering team all working and synced up as best as possible. So we talk about that, the coaching side, also talk about his career a bit, and also get into towards the end, his recovery and his goals for the future. Some of those which were expressed in iRacing that came a few months later during the shutdown. So this was originally meant to run during the St. Petersburg IndyCar weekend, but with the pause button being hit there, this episode of Catching Up With just ended up sitting And here we are now with 2020 just about to close and get to hear from our pal Robert Wickens as we're meant to about nine months ago. All here brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, torontomotorsports.com. So Robert Wickens, you have found an interesting place in your professional life. I am not exactly sure it's one that you dreamt of as a young lad, but while you are working and busting your behind to get back to the place we want you to be race winning race car driver you are applying those skills the working habits the mindset to helping next generation drivers to groom them i don't know if you like the idea of driver coach robbie But I do know that when I talk to those in and around the team who receive those talents, they are amazed at how much better off they are. Tell me about this, man. Uh, (laughs) You like this? I know you didn't envision this being the career arc you're on, and hopefully it's a really short one. But what is it like? Well, you know, first off, I joke around with with the team sometimes saying that I'm only putting in the work now to make the car better for when I return. (laughs) you know, I'm still a selfish driver at the end of the day, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been fun. You know, it's, it's interesting. Obviously, like you said, it's not, you know, I, I never dreamt of, uh, being a consultant to a, to a IndyCar team at the age of 30. You know, I was, I was kind of hoping to do it like Dario and after I have won Indy 500s and championships to then go on as a consultant, um, was more of the timeline i i was imagining but no i mean obviously you can't predict anything in life and i'm very fortunate to um be in a position where i can you know still use my my knowledge and my experience to to better better the race team and to help out our our kids that we have now and that's what has really struck me robbie is 
it's not as if there's a specific protocol for driver coaching at the IndyCar level. There are many coaches, right, at a variety of teams, whether it's a Barry Waddell, a Lee Bentham, a Bob Perona, etc. There are many folks that have racing experience, apply knowledge from their time behind the wheel, add in some sage wisdom brought by age, and you help a driver, you help maybe forge some stronger links between the driver and the engineer sometimes if needed. There's all kinds of things you can do to uplift a team in this capacity. How do you try and apply your skills? What What's your approach to trying to download what you know in your skills to either helping the young pups at the team or in the engineering side? Because no one does coach. There's no formula to coaching. No, I mean, I, I think that uh, one of my best attributes as a professional driver was my ability to communicate what I wanted from the race car behind the scenes. Um, you know, I like to think I was still a pretty damn good driver, but I thought where I was actually strongest was um, with my feedback to the engineers and to the team and to know what I wanted from the car to go forward. Um, <clears throat> and really, I mean, the good thing is now that's basically what my role is. I'm in some days I'm a mediator between the race engineers and the drivers. And other days I'm a driver coach helping Oliver Apato with any question they might have, or any other days I'm a consult for the engineers trying to bridge the gap between the drivers on track and the engineers on the pit wall. So I feel like it's quite a diverse job description right now. You know, it's not as simple as calling me a, a driver coach. You know, I actually, I don't call myself the driver coach because I don't feel like, um, I am one Yoda. You know, we I'm, call you Yoda, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, self <laughs> self proclaimed, but, um, you know, I mean, I think the big thing right now from within the team is we all know that rehab is still my top priority. Um, so whatever role we define for myself within Errol McLaren SP, we need to make sure that I'm not um, relied upon because there's chances that I won't attend as many races as um, they might want me to. Or, you know, even sometimes that I want to, like last year, for example, I wanted to come to a lot more NTT IndyCar races than I was able to make it to. Um, through various infections and surgeries that were uh, not scheduled. So, you know, I mean, if if I were a full-time driver coach for the team, it's not fair for our two drivers, and it's ultimately not fair for, for the whole team because it's not where my head's at full-time right now. And, um, you know, I like to think right now I'm I'm just a, a friend of our drivers that they can bounce ideas off of, and if they want to pick my brain, I'm always an open book, and same with the engineers. And I think uh, so far throughout testing, it's been it's been very productive. You know, I think, like I said, being able to bridge that gap between the the race driver and the engineer sometimes can be challenging because a lot of engineers have never driven a race car. So, understanding that driver lingo, um, it's kind of a, a foreign language sometimes. I won't share the number of days you've been on an airplane or you have traveled so far this year, but I do know it is obscene and i don't mean obscene in a bad way but the amount of time you have spent traveling or just working directly with the team all under the auspices of trying to help trying to make 
this Aero McLaren SP team hit the ground running quickly into be highly competitive right out of the gate, at least observing from the outside, Robbie, it appears that you are being as self more selfless than anyone could ask. I know you get a little bit uncomfortable with this stuff. You're not a big me, me, me <laughs> guy, but share with me the motivation behind that. And I know you opened with a joke saying you're just trying to get the car better for yourself when you climb back in, but you could do half of what you have been doing and it would still be considered enough. And yet you've decided to push harder. That says something about you, but I don't know what it is that drives you to do that. I mean, I think the, the important thing is, you know, when, when I was in my first professional years of, of racing, you know, I, I struggled to have that almost mentor leadership person. Mm. You know, I mean, I was very fortunate that my first year of DTM, I was teammates with David Coulthard. And, you know, it was, it was his last year of motorsports and it was my first year of professional motorsports. So it was a very interesting relationship that we had because he had kind of, in sense of a better word, had already kind of clocked out for the year and was just out enjoying it and doing kind of his victory lap where I was this young, hungry kid trying to really prove himself. And, um, you know, but I learned so much from him in that year, how to be a professional, what it takes, what, you know, although David might not have been maybe as, as quick as he was in his, in his prime, there were still so many facets to his life that blew me away. You know, the fact that driving the race car was his hobby, you know, and then he was just working and working and he had his, he had his foot in so many different avenues between races, you know, at that time he was doing commentary for BBC. He was an ambassador for Mercedes an ambassador for Red Bull an ambassador for <laughs> Rolex watches and wow. Heineken. And, you know, like he was nonstop all the time. And that kind of really made me realize, you know, racing is the fun bit, but if you need to build a strong career for yourself um, and a durable career for yourself, you know, you, you have to, be better than that. You can't just be a good driver. You have to, you have to have something else going for you. Um, and right now with our two drivers, they're both very young. They're both very eager to, to prove themselves. And I'm trying to, you know, be that little bit of, um, advisory, you know, kind of point them in the right direction of where they need to focus more of their energy or less of their energy. <laughs> Ironically, both of our, both drivers, are extremely different to one another in terms of a uh, work ethic, both on and off the track, but they're both champions and they're both very quick. So it's going to be uh, a very interesting season. The work ethic was the next thing I wanted to touch on Robbie. So when you came into IndyCar in 2018 with the uh, Aero SPM program, your speed was on immediate display. So that for those who'd seen you in Atlantics and such, not a surprise, but more of a, man, what did we miss out on? <laughs> Imagine <laughs> if he'd been here the whole time. But nonetheless, you... I question that, too. Really? Well, because there was, there was a time in my life where I actually considered uh, IndyCar um, around 2011. Mm. Um, I just finished GP3, and we were kind of exploring options. And we I went to the season finale in Homestead in 2010 to meet with some teams and kind of just see what life was like. And ultimately 
um, the, the market wasn't super strong and everyone needed financial support and I didn't have any of it. So that was basically the end of that chapter. And I found a job in, in 3.5 and won the championship and was a reserve driver and went to DTM and, you know, life went on as we know it. But, you know, there was, there was definitely times where I thought like, I wonder what would have happened if I raced an Indy car in 2011. The byproduct, I guess, of, of not doing, not being able to, but being able to hone yourself in very fast European open wheel cars plus hardcore DTM racing, you show up in 2018 for the season opener at St. Petersburg. Guess who we're interviewing at the end of the Firestone Fast Six and who's on <laughs> pole and nearly wins his first race, nearly wins at Phoenix, just front running success right away. So clearly the talent was there all along. The thing that really stood out though in addition to that was your work ethic and how much effort you put in, which you've already discussed a little bit on the engineering side, no disrespect to our mutual friend, James Hinchcliffe, but you came in as the, the air quote question mark. Hey, we know he's good, but you know, well, let's get a race or two under our belts before we make any proclamations. You made that team yours pretty quickly, just from a performance standpoint, you and your engineer, Blair Pershbacher, man, you guys did some awesome work, very strong force, all driven by this work ethic of yours. How do you suggest, how do you overlay some of the working styles and habits of a Robbie Wickens that made such a huge impact on two kids who are just that kids? That's the area where maybe it can turn some ears off and get some younger folks say, all right okay kind of sort of boomer whatever <laughs> that seems like an area where you have an exceptional attribute but it's not maybe not something that will always be received how do you integrate that into what you're doing with the team yeah i mean i th i thought you know the the best one of my best traits was knowing exactly what i wanted from the car to be fast you know i i knew what type of race car i liked to drive to be competitive i knew um what i needed my team to provide me to make me the best driver I could, you know, and I'm, I'm sure if you ask anyone on the team that was there in 2018 working alongside me and I push everyone very hard. I require a lot of information. My, my brain never stops. Sometimes I'm thinking too much about things that are out of my control, but I'm always kind of wondering what's going on. You know, during the race, I'm thinking about strategies and trying to figure out my component my rival strategies to see if uh, if we're on the right one and you know i was just always there's always something going on um inside my mind and i think uh but really the the big thing that took away from me was when i joined indycar i knew and you know we were fortunate enough with the new aero kit in 18 to setups were all changing slightly and you know there wasn't really a textbook way to drive this new aero kit so I was able just to make it my own and drive how I wanted to drive and how I knew I enjoyed driving and uh, really push the engineering staff hard to build the car around around me. And luckily, James and I, with our chemistry that we had, we, you know, we worked very well together and the five car and the six car all worked well together. Um, you know, so the ultimate outcome of, qualifying pole in St. Pete, you know, it was, it was a full two car team effort. And as well on, on that case, sometimes with a three car effort with Shank, you know, it was, 
it was really just a, a well-oiled team. You know, we, we were, we're small and mighty and we're, we're getting larger and larger with every year since then. So it's, uh, it's pretty exciting times. Let's close on this, Robbie. So you have become a must watch social media presence for many people, my wife included, who often tells me, did you see what Robbie did today? Uh, and she, she's not a social media person, by the way. So you, I, ha- I hate to admit this. Her husband, fairly active on social media, she can give a crap. You, on the other hand, have her full attention with your real rehabilitation efforts. How are things going? I don't want you to share anything you shouldn't, but just for those of us, whether it's friends, reporters, fans, who crave the day, when we get to see your name on the side of an indie car again, how are things going? So you can frankly stop being Yoda and be Robbie, the race car driver. No, it's, it's moving along nicely. You know, I mean, it, we're, we're stuck in a couple places, you know, right now I'm, I'm fortunate enough to still be progressing and still getting stronger. You know, my, my gait patterns improving seems like on a weekly or monthly basis, which is just, amazing you know i mean i don't really know how my work ethic would be if i wasn't getting any results you know mm. i mean the, the motivation's coming naturally because i'm seeing how much i'm improving day to day but you know I, I i do understand that at some point there is that infamous plateau that and right now i'm just trying to utilize and maximize the time i have until until that day comes but um from a professional side of things we're we're still working with the team we're trying to figure out you know, get everything in line and then to see what um, ultimately needs to be done, you know, but luckily we're at a stage now where we just need to make a financial deposit and, and start developing because we've, we've thought about all the hypotheticals and we have blueprints of, and you know, CAD drawings of steering wheel with hand controls and everything that now just needs to go into production and, uh, and start moving forward and trying to get on track. So, you know, I, I had dreams of, of trying to get into a race car in 2020. Um, hopefully that can still happen. But, you know, it seems like with every week or every month that passes, um, it's quickly getting pushed further and further back. So um, I really wanted to be back on the grid in 2021. But we need to we need to start yesterday. You know, it's, it's been there's been a lot happening with the race team, obviously, with the merger of McLaren and, and the expansion of, of Aero and moving to Chevy. You know, our team's been stretched pretty thin over this winter, um, more so than any of us had anticipated. But hopefully, um, all in positive we can, ways, we should say. Oh, exactly, exactly. But hopefully, we can start uh, delegating some some love on my little test project and and try to get me back in a race car. And that's an interesting approach, Robbie. Because uh, granted, I've never asked, but I've haven't known whether your mindset has been one of the next time I drive a race car, it will be using hands, feet, everything, everything. Or should we try and jumpstart the process and do hand controls first, just as a refamiliarization uh, process? And then hopefully as your physical rehab continues and improves, and hopefully there are no plateaus ahead, there'll be a time where the, uh, the adapted driving aspect can go away and again it can be all hands and all feet 
interesting to hear, you know, what, however, in whatever means you want to get back out as quickly as possible. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I I think right now, you know, it's hard to, it would almost in a sense of design, it would be easier if I wasn't progressing at all, you know, because we we would know what we have to design. Mm. And I think that's been an area where the project's been kind of a slow starter is because ultimately the team is, I feel like waiting a little bit to see what I can ultimately do before we start customizing and, and putting all this budget into um, creating something that has never existed in IndyCar, um, which you can imagine is a fair penny to pay. So it's, um, you know, I mean, I think in terms of 2021, it's unrealistic for me to think I'd be using my feet. So um, we should probably start moving ahead with, with hand control options and hopefully it's a constant evolution. You know, I mean, it'd be really cool if, in a couple of years to come, I can maybe do throttle with my foot. Um, you know, if you, if anyone who knows IndyCar understands the sheer strength of a IndyCar driver's leg when applying the brake pedal, you know, and it's right now that's very unrealistic for me to think that I'll be able to do that. Um, but you know, I mean, with with help of IndyCar and and all the other teams um, agreeing to allowing me to run certain components. You know, there's, there's no reason why we can't find other ways to develop that brake pressure. I'll just throw in a couple things here. One, the aero electronics folks are awesome. So if we're talking about having the right people to fast track the development of anything, whatever is needed, that's a great thing. Second, with Roger Penske now owning the series, um, yeah, it might be nice to ask the other teams if they have any concerns. <laughs> Something yeah. tells me Robert uh, Roger is not exactly going to uh, say no to the project, even if there is pushback. He, I think he's the type of guy who understands, you know, with talent and will, we are not going to hold that back. So I don't want to speak for Roger or anyone else, but this just strikes me as a initiative, Robbie, that once it can start gaining... Uh, progress i don't see it stopping because too many people want it to happen it's too great for the sport and again i love calling you yoda damn it but i want to be talking to you about tire compounds and the new dampers you tried and all the things that uh, really are the full expression of who you are so let's get this going man yeah that would be very nice Thanks again to our man, Mr. Wickens, for joining us back in March. Do hope to have him on the show here sometime soon. Talk about more of his rehabilitation efforts and maybe finally figure out what it's going to take to get someone to put the money behind Robert Wickens, whatever assistance is needed within the vehicle and controls and whatnot to get him back into an IndyCar Thanks again, as always, to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com. And if by chance this is your first time listening, would urge you to check out MarshallPruittPodcast.com, where we have now legitimately, crazily, 1,000-plus previous episodes for you to peruse, plus a nifty little subscribe page where you can, through whatever platform you prefer, 
get all the nonsense that we pump out here on a weekly basis. All right. I am Marshall Pruitt. This is a little podcast named after myself. Thank you for listening. <laughs>